Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. So last week I spoke on Sukkot. And really we saw in that passage in Leviticus 23, we saw a connection in that passage where uh, we see a generational teaching directed from God teaches to the generations. And we know it starts in family, and, is, and then, of course, it goes on from there. Family, family, family. And I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about, you know, we've got family and, you know, close friends, and we have congregational family, and there's a big message of that in Sukkot, and all those things that uh, are valuable in that way. What is the opposite of family and friends, close friends, community? What's the opposite of that? Enemies! Enemies! Gee, that seems like a good message. Wasn't quite that lighthearted. But I, I do want to speak on enemies today. And, you know, most of us have them. There's a story a preacher shared. Uh, he was preaching on enemies or something related to that. He said, everybody here has enemies, right? If, and everybody, if you have an enemy, put your hand up. Everybody put their hand up except for one person. He said, sister, you can see her in the back. Sister, you don't have an enemy? You come up here right now. You tell us what you know about not having enemies. So he called her out. She gets up and she, you know, shuffles up the aisle. She's 93 years old. And she said, I've outlasted them. <laughs> you know, that's probably true. One of my grandmas passed away at 102, and I, I don't think she had knew a lot of friends from the old days. I think she outlasted them. We do relate to enemies. There's a play in town here, uh, Hamilton. Right, Hamilton, Hamilton was one of, uh, he, Alexander Hamilton, it's about Hamilton, and he was shot in a duel by Aaron Burr, and we'll say Aaron Burr was his enemy. Would you agree? Tesla and Edison, notorious enemies. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> the Bears, Packers, Hatfields, McCoys, Holmes, Moriarty, Seinfeld, and Newman. Newman. <laughs> You Seinfeld fans, you know who I'm talking about. Newman. But what we do, a lot of us relate to having enemies. And I want to speak to this this morning. And not a heavy message, but I think that there's something that really stands out. Go ahead, Maddie. Let's just look at the first slide here. <clears throat> Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, how long? This is David. How long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul and sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? David had enemies. We can go through the Bible and, and see, actually, in David's own case, multiple times he had different enemies. But all through the scriptures, we see different kinds of enemies. And it's all right to have this idea of an enemy, but I'm not exactly sure that we're on the same page of what an enemy is. So for the sake of our time this morning, let's say an enemy is somebody that opposes us. You with me? Somebody that opposes us. And there's all different levels and kinds and this sort of thing. Right. People opposed to us. I really struggled trying to come up with a comprehensive list of all the kinds of people that were opposed. And I came up with a few. People that are opposed that you probably have to deal with on a regular basis. Project coworkers. Project coworkers. Do you work with anybody that just seems to be your project nemesis? Please give us their first name, their last name, their phone number, and social security number, and we'll get them. But you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Somehow or another, they end up in the project, and you know every step of the way they're going to bring out another perspective, and you're going to be like, ah. Uh, piecework partners. If you've ever done piecework, you know what I'm talking about. Piecework is a funny thing. It's, has anybody ever done piecework? Yeah. It's love-hate, isn't it? So I got paid. I had a job where I got paid on piecework. Let's say we had to make 100 parts an hour. Uh, if we made 110 parts an hour, we got a 10% pay bump. Make sense? So 100 parts were required, but if we made 10 over, we would get a, like a 10%. 20 over, we got 20%. This is really good. But what happens if somebody is 90%? Now, group piecework is the worst. Because we would inevitably have people who would be 90. They would only make 90 parts. We would make 110 parts. That would average out to 100 parts. We wouldn't get paid extra. See how that works? There was a man named Tony. And I remember Tony was so proud of himself because he came back from surgery early. And he was telling us, he's like, yeah, I can hardly move, but I'm so glad to work. And he worked at 80%. So we had to work at 120% just to break even. So they can be opposed to us. Direct reports. If you've ever had people work for you, almost always, there's not now, Judy, but almost always, <laughs> if you have a large team, you'll find somebody that just seems to be your shadow. The dark side of things. Or what about this? Bosses. You ever had a boss that you're pretty sure is out to get you? Yeah. Or a teacher? <laughs> or a professor? You're convinced no matter what you do, they're going to get you. Um, neighbors. How does that expression go? A tall fence makes for good neighbors? Yes. Or something like that, right? That's it. it or, <laughs> I'm not going to say who. I know somebody, their neighbor was mowing their lawn, and they started to creep over and mow their not their own lawn, but they, you know, bit by bit, they mow the other person, person's lawn. You know, you can't do that. And it makes challenges. So that's a kind of problem. You know, people are opposed. Go ahead, Maddie. Let's look at this list. Biblically, there's a whole slew of these oppositions. Samson, his own wife, was out to get him. His own wife was out to get him. I mean, not just get him, but get him, get him, get him. <laughs> Rebecca conspired with Jacob. Now, this is really an interesting concept because it's a wife conspiring ultimately against her husband and against one of her own kids. There's an opposition. Job's friends. See, he's this terrible tragedy in his family. Everybody gets wiped out. He loses his money. Everything. It's just terrible strategy. Three friends show up from all different places, and they meet with him, and then they start to, they make more problems for him. So the other friends, they were actually opposing the work that God was, had been planting in Job's life, or Job's own relationship with God. Cain, who killed his own brother Abel. There, there's an opposition for you. Uh, Rachel uh, was really cruelly, just part of a sentence there, Re Rachel and her sister, uh, they were sisters married to the same guy, and Rachel was very cruel to her sister, for, not for a month, but for years Rachel was very cruel, cruel to her sister Leah. Um, Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, which I would say that's an opposition. Uh, Noah's son Ham exposes nakedness. This is an interesting thing. You know, he's got these three sons. They're older sons. They're mature sons. They've been through a lot together. They're actually quite old. And uh, he sees his dad drunk and passed out and naked. Instead of doing anything about it, he tells his family about it. Why do you have to dishonor your dad like that? I wish my kids would hear me say that. <laughs> Lot's daughters who got their father drunk and... Ugh, a little bit of nastiness there. That's a type of opposition. If you don't know what the nastiness is, you can read the Bible. 
You gotta, <laughs> it was gross. Um, so, you know, this next one, these three fellows here who challenged Moses, these are Israelites, and they tried to, there actually was a power struggle on the appropriateness of doing priestly duties. It was a type of a power struggle. I love, it's, we could have, it would be it's such a great message someday to preach on Moses' response, because he actually wasn't quite put out at them. And, and Joshua was, but Moses wasn't, but it was a legitimate, true opposition. Daniel and the kings he worked for, you know, we talked about bosses. This poor guy had three bosses. He did a great job for each boss, but they didn't always tell the successive bosses about him. So he did really well with one boss, and then he kind of lost status, got a new king, had reestablished himself, and then kind of was forgotten about, lost status. The poor guy was never honored for his work. And then David, 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 you know, we're not, most people when they read about David, they go straight to the fact that David was a king, and he had enemies that were opposed to him. But David, I think his biggest opposition was from his family. He had two, two different sons, uh, Adania and Absalom, who literally, um, I'm sorry, Absalom and, uh, well, two sons, who tried to overthrow him. He had one son kill another son. He had one son rape a daughter, right? He had horrible problems. He had his commander of his army who caused more problems. David had all kinds of opposition, went within his own family and his party, his, his leadership group. It was a mess. There's all kinds of people around that will make uh, challenges and opposition. Do you recognize that? If we had time, I would love to have you tell me all of your stories. I would. I think it would be very fascinating. You can leave the names out. I wouldn't want to know who anybody is. But I think, you know, some of the problems and challenges that people have gone through from opposition are most interesting. And how we respond to them and how we see the Lord in them. I remember there was one time in my life, and I, I, I had uh, an outgoing boss. I had a boss, and I changed jobs. I moved across the company to a whole different role. And so I hadn't talked to this last boss for a long time. He retired, and on his retirement, he gives a two-page, front and back, handwritten notes of all of the things I did wrong. And he told his successor to take care of me. What? Isn't that terrible? So I could go on and on, and I, th I think... I remember I met with her in her office, and she said, Is this true? And I said, Why are you talking about this? Well, because he gave me the notes. Why didn't he give me the notes? That's a good question, right? Actually, it was really amazing how God took care of it. He was forced out. His boss agreed with me. And that's why he ended up retiring. His boss forced him out. So the opposition that we go through in life sometimes, we can go through some crazy stuff. It can be families. I mean, look at the people in the Bible. It can be neighbors. It can be co-workers. It usually, usually the most painful opposition is from people that we know. If we know somebody's opposed to us and we don't know them, we don't care about them, it almost makes a safe buffer, doesn't it? Do you know enemies, by the way? Do you know, you know what's interesting about enemies? If you ever read Psychology Today or if you ever look at studies about enemies, it, it, there's a lot of universal belief out there that people kind of like having enemies. The us and them mentality. And the beliefs of these studies are that we like to have enemies so we know who's wrong. We like to help us feel right. And if we know who's wrong, then we feel better about ourselves. 
Now, obviously, I'm not talking about a war kind of time of enemy, but even then sometimes. All right, so what about this? Here's another kind of enemy. Those people who look to kill or oppose believers because of our faith. You know what happens all over the world, right? It's still happening. You with me? There are people who are trying to kill Christians for their faith. It's horrible. In America, we're pretty well insulated. There was a study that was done 2019. It was produced this year. It was done at the request of British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. So this is a high-ranking government official in Britain. And he produced this study, and he discovered that, or they discovered in the study, the persecutions of the persecution of Christians in parts of the world is near genocide levels. Genocide. Um, Christians were the most persecuted religious group, it believed. Now, I'm not really sure if I think that's true. I think that there's greater anti-Semitism, and I think there's some studies to say that. But let's say Christians are clearly, clearly of the most, or, you know, tied with the most. Uh, the report said the main impact of genocidal acts against Christians uh, and, and the exodus of Christians fleeing um, is causing them to be wiped out, wiped out and fully obliterated for parts of the Middle East. And this is it's a, just an interesting report. It goes on and on, just some individual lines. The Middle East, uh, the population of Christians used to be 20%, so one out of five. Now it's 5%, one out of 20. That's pretty significant difference. And, and all they're doing, there's some exodus going on, but they're just obliterating Christians. They're just killing them. Sometimes it's attacks from other religious groups, and a lot of times it's just the governments themselves. Uh, the report highlights how states and state-sponsored social media sometimes incite hatred and pu uh, publish propaganda against Christians, especially in Iran, Iraq, and Turkey. The governing party in Turkey depicts Christians, this is the current government, by the way, depicts Christians as a threat to the stability of the nation. That's a bummer. In Saudi Arabia, the report says, school textbooks, school textbooks, you know, when, you, when we teach children, we're getting in before they know to take a stand sometimes, right? They teach uh, pupils religious hatred, hatred and intolerance toward non-Muslims, toward non-Muslims, including Christians and Jews. The eradication of Christians and other minorities on the pain of the sword or other violent means was revealed to be specific and started uh, and stated objective as a, an objective of extremist groups in Syria, Iraq, Egypt, North and East, uh, different parts of Nigeria and the Philippines. All uh, there was an attempt to erase all evidence of Christian presence, including symbols and marks and books and everything. So wipe out the people, destroy all the symbols. This kind of thing would be a form of an enemy. Would you agree? Sure. This is an opposition against us. You know, if I just think, who's the most famous? Let's just take a minute. Just, just yell it back here. Who's the most famous believer killer that we know of in the world? Paul. Paul is the most famous believer killer that we know in the world. We know his name. Saul, actually. We know his name. And I just think how fascinating it must have been for this guy to have been a killer of believers and to be behind uh, physical attacks. And when he gave his life to the Lord, how fascinating it must have been for those people around to go, do we let this guy in our circle or not? 
Do we trust this guy or not? Just because he says he gives his life to the Lord, does he actually give his life to the Lord? Could you imagine somebody who's killing believers in Egypt, and they show up to this congregation here, and they've got this terrible track record behind them, and they show up and they go, I've been killing people in Egypt. Do we want him here? Do you want him to sit by you? Hold your child? You see where I'm going with this, right? The opposition, it messes with our minds. Which brings us to another point. Let me catch up a little bit here. Slide three, go ahead. Let's see this, Maddie. Romans 5, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. I like this. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. You know, I think if somebody would show up as an extremist, a former extremist, having given their life to the Lord, we would say they were an enemy, but they've been forgiven. But you know what? We were too. We were too opposed to the Lord, weren't we? We give our life to the Lord. He comes in and he starts to clean us and wash us and rearrange us, take hold of our lives. But we ourselves were enemies to the Lord at one point. Our minds can be a kind of enemy. They can challenge us. You know, we have a soulish nature. Sometimes we have a nature that really wants to fight and do whatever it wants to do. This carnality. Uh, wacky priorities can be a challenge for us. Being discontent can be a, a challenge for us. Sometimes we have everything we need, but we're still not content. We want what they have. Legalism can be a challenge for us. It must be just this way. It must be just my way. Even in, in churches, you know, if, we, if, we, if you sing hymns, you're too out of date. If you, only, if you never sing hymns, you're too rock and roll. Anybody ever heard those arguments? It's legalism. Even that can be an affront to, to our faith. Over-defensiveness. Did you ever try to talk to somebody about what's going on in your life and they become really defensive? Like, hey man, just hold on. <laughs> Has anybody ever talked to you and you've become over-defensive? There's all kinds of enemies. All kinds of things that we have to pursue. So, here's what I'm trying to get at. Let's look at a verse and then I'll... I think this will set us up a bit. Go ahead, Maddie. Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This kind of fruit. The Holy Spirit's working this kind of fruit. You see this? Love. Love. We get the rest of the fruit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. All those things that we used to think were important, we hang them up, and now we start to pick up what he thinks is important, what the Lord thinks is important, what the Bible says is important. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We're gonna, now we're living by the Spirit, now we, we take on what he takes on. You with me? Go ahead, one more time. Galatians 3, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? In other words, because we just do what we do? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. We walk with God. We have this fruit, the Lord works in our life, and we walk with them. 
And by doing these things, we develop a relationship, and this is how we survive our enemies. All right. Let me just pause, and let me explain what I'm talking about here, because I want to make sure we're on the same page before I get to the conclusion. Because really, we're moving quite quickly here in the message. So please stay with me. We give our lives to the Lord. We've got all kinds of issues that go around in our life before we give our lives to the Lord. We give our lives to the Lord, guess what we have? We still have all kinds of issues going on in our life, don't we? We still have all kinds of people that are challenges to us, aren't they? Probably at least half of the room has somebody challenging your life right now. Or maybe it's your mind. Maybe your mind has got challenges in your life right now. Maybe your own worst enemy because of the way you're, you're thinking. You've taken on some wacky thinking. But whatever it is, probably at least half of the room has got some issues in your mind or in your life. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you agree with me? So we give our life to the Lord before or after. We still have issues. But because of our relationship and the work with the Spirit, we can have these fruits of the Spirit produced and the Spirit will lead us through. If we want to deal with the issues, we just have to stay in the Word. We have to stay with the Holy Spirit. That's it. We will always have opposition. I found we always will have opposition in some way, shape, or form. You know these people, and I've you know I've joked about this over the months. And if you've been if you're a grace site and you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this. You know, to say that God is going to protect us from everything does a great disservice to all of the martyrs who have gone before us, and all the people who are being killed in all those countries we went through, because they weren't delivered on earth. There sure is delivery in the afterlife. They're walking with him in a way that we don't even understand. So he delivered, he took care of them, but they sure went through some very difficult things, didn't they? We can't let this stuff stop us around here. We have to stay with the Lord. We have to just ride through no matter if we see the good end or the bad end. This is the holiday season. And this is why I wanted to talk about it. I think the harvest picnic just seemed like an appropriate time to say this. We're going into a stretch of time. The holiday season can be very difficult in a lot of people's lives for a lot of reasons. You know, the Christmas season, everybody gives something. You know, give, you know, be kind to somebody or pay it forward to these expressions. Really, I think it's a wonderful time to address enemies. We find the people that have brought challenges to us and we say, okay, it's the end of October, and we're going into this couple-month stretch. Let's just seek God for, them, for their lives. Let's seek God for what he wants us to do to handle it. Let's remember this is, at this time not to be discouraged, because they're not going to do anything that really matters to us in the ter- in, in, in plans of the Lord. Only we can do something to disrupt our plans of the Lord. You understand what I mean by that, right? We can do some wacky stuff if we want to. But they can't do it to us. You know, when we were in Egypt, we had a trip in Egypt. These shoes were in Egypt. Those are one of the countries where there's lots of attacks on Christians, believers. If I would have died there for my faith, well, not so bad. Enemies aren't that big of a deal. Let's use this time to take it on. Let's use these two months. I'm, this is an open challenge. Find somebody in your life that's an enemy and just seek the, seek the word about it. Seek the word about it. God, what do you want me to do? How do I deal with this guy? I have got some of the best enemy stories of anybody I know. 
I have seen one after another of people who have been opposed to me professionally and personally just kind of get vanquished. I've had bosses, multiple bosses, lose their job in eras that they shouldn't have. Um, I could just go on and on, but I, I remember being discouraged and reading the word and being sad and thinking like, oh God, I just need you to get me through this, but I'm going to do right by you. What, do you, what does your word say? Some of you have gone through stuff with enemies or people opposed to you, and you told me. Some of you, in your own mind, you know, breakthrough in your mind. Get through it. Get in the Word. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you through, and you're going to see yourself in a sense of love. And, you know, I've said this before over the time, over these last few months as well. Some of you need to see yourself. You need to work on seeing yourself how God sees you. Get over that bad self-image. Get over it. So in these next couple of months, my challenge is this. Find an enemy in your life. Some of you, it's not hard. <laughs> Find an enemy in your life and seek the word on it. Pray for them the same way you'd pray for you. Do you pray for success in your job? Pray for them for success in their job. Do you pray for your family? Pray for their family. Do you pray for your good health? Pray for their good health. Everything that you seek for you, seek for them. Read about it in the Word. Don't go to the Old Testament where people are calling down curses. Go to the New Covenant. I'm serious, you know. People will say, you know, I call down a curse. I call that. Stop with the curses. Stop with the curses. Okay, put yourself in the New Covenant. Take on that agape that we know about, and actually which did exist in the Old Covenant. But take it on and just seek, seek the Lord to intercede. What do you want, God? I'm not going to give you other solutions today. I just want to give you the challenge. Is that fair? Sure. When we leave here, you're still going to have people opposed to you. And guess who else is still going to have someone opposed to them? Me! I do think sometimes we like opposition. You know, I, I mentioned those studies earlier. Let me give you an example of one opposition that I think a lot of us really like. Politics. We love to talk about us and them, don't we? Pray for them. So think about the challenge. And today when you go to the harvest picnic, if there's anybody in this house who's been opposed to you, find a reason to go give them a hug. Or a high five. <laughs> Jeff, let's not hug. <laughs> I'm just having fun at Jeff's expense. Please stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We were enemies to your ways, but you have won us over, Lord. We are followers of your gospel. We are followers of your son. Jesus, we thank you. We remember all that you are to us today. God, I just, um, we all have, always have opposition. Teach us to navigate it according to your word, not our definition. Help us let go of what our definitions to opposition, what we think we should do, and help us take on more and more and more of your word. That we can walk out the right way. God, I do want to thank you very much for good weather today. We prayed for this last week, and I just thank you for what you've done. I thank you for a good day. We pray for uh, just good fellowship at the Harvest Picnic, and um, this is a time of knitting together of lives, Lord, between all of us here, us and Beth Messiah, and then the neighbors that we could come in and be a, a positive kingdom testimony for your gospel in that neighborhood, that we could declare your name and declare your works.
Thank you, Lord, for my friends. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.